Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. Thanks for checking out the podcast again, whether you're watching or listening. We're excited to be continuing this fall. I got a flannel on. We got Drew speaking again. Everything's feeling like September. I don't know why flannel says September. It probably should be saying October, but whatever. Uh, Most importantly, we're ready to rock and roll. So, Drew, how are you doing, man? How's this Monday as we record going for you? Uh, It's a good day. Uh, worked on some sermons, uh, coming up in fall and Christmas season. So we're gearing up for that, that season. It's right around the corner. It's crazy to think, Mm. but it's been a good Monday. Went to the chiropractor, cracked a little bit, you know, mm, mm, I'm back in place. Good. Preaching is a physical sport. No one realizes that it's pretty physical up there. Yeah. Yeah. Your spinal alignment is, is imperative. If you're going to preach sound doctrine. I actually think I might've got a little bit out of tune while celebrating the Cowboys win this weekend. Did anyone see that game? Holy smokes. That's I did not watch it, but I did see something that said, I, I watched a, you know how they have like the win probability charts? I love those things. I don't know if that's like your jam, but I'm like, that's all I care about is the win probability charts. And I watched it for the Falcons. It was like, you know, in their favor, just ludicrously. 99.9. <laughs> and then it went down to like slightly in the Cowboys favor and then did another jump back into the Falcons favor. I don't know whether it was like, you know, the, the, the fact that the, the likelihood of them recovering the onside kick wasn't high or whatever it was. They're like, jump back in the Falcons' favor and then just dropped all the way to the Cowboys. And, dude, what in the world? Are, were you, like, running around? I could picture things like getting broken in your house as you're screaming and running. Uh, you know, yesterday was a roller coaster of emotions. I was so ticked from the start. Like, the first quarter, they were down 20 nothing, And I, I remember looking at my wife and being like, why do I do this to myself? I'm done. <laughs> Cowboys stink. I, it's over. I've been telling everybody this is the year. I feel like they actually have a good coach, good core. It could be the year. We're going to be 0-2, and I'm so ticked. I'm so mad. And, like, the whole game, I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry. Like, okay, we're going to come back to make myself feel happy inside, ultimately to just dig that dagger deep into my heart. We lost, okay? So I just was like, I'm not doing it this time. We, we're going to lose. I've been telling my wife, we suck. We're going to lose. I hate I hate the Cowboys. You know, every Bills fan listening knows exactly what I'm saying right now. I was going to say, I don't think you need to illustrate any further. There's a whole bunch of people who know. Like terrible traumatic experiences in their own heart as they listen. And then, you know, we score the touchdown. We don't get the two-point conversion. We get the ball. or Yeah, we, we go to kick the onsides kick. And I'm like... This, this is, there's this, no way that is, it's a desperate move every time thinking we're going to win and we're going to get it. Dude, when we got that onside's kick, my wife is on the phone out on our front porch, having a serious conversation. And I run out squealing like a teenage girl being like, and my wife is like, I'm like, sorry. I love you. Bye. Yeah. You're like the kid uh, Zoom bombing during a podcast recording. <laughs> you are the child. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Hey, and that's and they call it God's team. You know, I'm just saying mm. God was on our side. Yeah, and he has been for all these years you guys have been winning the Super Bowl. Oh wait. <laughs> okay, Boston Red Sox. What were you saying? 
Oh yeah, they're real bad. They're real. But hey, I actually did watch the Bills game, and Josh Allen looks like a quarterback. I'm not gonna lie. You give him that many weapons on in the receiver core and a decent offensive line, and that man can play. So I'm yeah. fascinated to see what this season looks like for them. And I honestly got onto this podcast today, committing myself to not talk about football. <laughs> and here we are, four minutes into this podcast, and we're talking about football. So, and I didn't bring it up. I just want the record to show that it was not my fault. Um, someone other than me, the only other person on this podcast, it was their fault. Oh my goodness. But okay. Week two of, um, prodigal. No, not prodigal. Really, really. You do the welcome. You're supposed to be like, yeah, we're in a series called a tale of two brothers. Oh, that's very true. Um, folks, this is what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Uh, I yeah, the, never mind. The creative titles and remembering them is has never been a strong suit. <laughs> I, I'm just like we're in a week two of our series that we're doing. <laughs> Henrietta never knew. No. Um, so yeah, um, I wanted to call it Prodigal God just because I keep thinking back to the Tim Keller book, and you've been quoting you know substantially from it, and just what a you know a powerful book and has so many insights. But the way that you've brought it together, I think here has a ton of application and and interest for all of us this was the first time um here at northridge that you had a three um a three service sunday that wasn't a holiday right so you we got to hear this thing you know three times or four times if you count run through so feeling very familiar with it other than the title apparently (laughs) but i think the part that stood out to me you know the kind of the whole idea of this message was um the fact that their sin is the same, right? It's, it's the same problem, just expressed two different ways. And I love it that near the end, you talked about how the bad brother was all about self-discovery. He tries to circumvent God by breaking his rules. And then the older brother or the good brother, he's all about moral conformity. He tries to control God by keeping his rules. So instead of circumventing God, he's trying to control God. Um, and I, you know, we, last week, our whole goal was to kind of find out where we sit in, in these two positions. Um, but attention, I think, even at community group, a few people have expressed this, and you even said somebody said it to you on Sunday, is that what if I think I'm both? <laughs> like, what if at various points in my life, I, I do both of those? Like, I try to completely ignore God, and then other times I try to manipulate him like a vending machine. What am I supposed to do? How do I evaluate that? Well, I, I, I think both brothers are, are, are kind of unique in the sense of, I think they show us like this path of life to, to like meeting God and walking with God. It, it's kind of weird that almost the, the younger brother is, is many of our past selves. And then the, the older brother is our present self. Like, I just think we all can relate to both brothers because, you know, if I look at my life, you know, I love the same. I always believed in God. People say that all the time. No, you didn't always believe in God. You were born a sinner that was alienated from God. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and then the younger brother is that first part of the journey where like we all rebel against God. We're all sinners. The Bible's very clear on that. So we all find ourselves as the rebel. Now we might be a rebel for a short period of time. I got saved when I was seven, but there were still rebellious parts of me that didn't want really didn't care what God wanted to say to me. But then along the journey, I realized that I was a sinner. I realized that I'm far from the Father. And I realized, man, I got to go back. And so that's that salvation process of me repenting away from my rebellious ways and saying yes to the Father. And then I step into this older brother mentality over the course of following Jesus for 20 some years. It's easy for me to become judgmental of the non-religious people, judgmental thinking I'm better because I 
look a certain way, I act a certain way, and then I let religion seep into my heart thinking, God loves me based on what I do, not what he accomplished for me. And I think it shows us like a progression of many people's lives. And it's actually cyclical for many of us too, right? We start as the rebellious brother, we get saved. And then over time we become the religious brother. And then we get so, religion becomes so ingrained into who we are. We actually become numb to the gospel and we become like, what, what is Christianity? Then we go back to being a rebellious brother and it's, it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, to, to break that tension a little bit, I think we all can relate to both brothers because at, at some level, we probably, if we know Christ and have been walking with Christ for a decent amount of time, have experienced both of those lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if you haven't lived out the rebellious one for any substantial period of time, I think a lot of religious older brothers who grew up in church and who maybe have made, you know, by God's grace, have made a lot of choices that please God. I don't necessarily feel like I've lived this long period of my life as the rebellious brother. But when you describe the motives of the younger brother, I can go, oh, yeah, okay. That's the part of me that I try to act like isn't there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not necessarily that I'm living that way, but I know in like the, you know, silly thing where there's like an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other, you know, like that, that dumb illustration, like if that tension in my heart, like I know exactly where to go to find that rebellious heart. That's mm -hmm. like, you know what? These rules are stupid. And like, I'm being held back by this and you, I can find the pathways in my heart that lead that direction. And all it would take would be, you know, a few bad choices or no accountability in my life. And like a season where I disconnected from, you know, connecting with God or whatever. And like, all of a sudden I could be that person, like it wouldn't take much. And you don't have to look very far in Christianity, in Christian subculture to find people who were in many ways, they projected the image of being extremely religious or upright or moral or whatever, only to find out that they had like this whole closeted like thing <laughs> that was really, really bad and really immoral, you know? Um, and that's that it's a perfect illustration of how like just because someone appears religious doesn't actually mean they have any connection to the father. It just means that the way that they're choosing to express their lostness is in moral conformity. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, that's, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. I, mean, I, I dated a girl in high school who didn't have a relationship with God, but everybody looked at her and was like, man, she's a great girl. She wasn't the party animal. She wasn't the person who, who, you know, was doing drugs or any of those things. Like she, if you look at her, she lived a really good life. She cared for people. She took care of people. She watched out for people, but yet she still didn't have any interest in her heavenly father. You know what I mean? And so I think we look at rebellion as just sheer, you know, Hey, I'm going to go against everything that God says, but sometimes rebellion finds itself in, in good things. You know, mm -hmm. it's, I'm doing this out of, I want to look good, not, I want to please God. And I think that brings another tension that maybe a lot of people feel is, you know, this religious brother, right? Okay. There's a, a fine line between being religious and walking in a relationship because two people can do both of those things and look the same. And mm. the only difference is the motive of your heart. And that's hard to measure. <laughs> this is what gets sticky about the older brother is I can look at somebody and be like, wow, they are walking with God. This is amazing. They look at all the things they do. They're good. They, they love people, but they could be doing it out of a motive of like, Hey, I want to grow in my career. I want to, I want to look good rather than, man, this is something that 
the Holy Spirit is guiding me to do. This is something I want to be like Christ. And that's my motive. And so there's a fine line between religious and a relationship. And it's, 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 you can't just calculate it or measure it. It's really something the Holy Spirit's got to convict you of. Yeah. And, and I would say that's probably why um, pastors failing morally is a somewhat common and B is so um, high profile B, or, or like, you know, so stark, you know, like, wow, I can't believe this happened because I think in particular, if you're paid to be a Christian, if your income and your livelihood is based upon it, every Christian has the tendency to eventually settle into a rut where I'm just like, this is how I am. So I live this way, whether or not I really have a you know connection to God. But when you add in the layer of it being your income, then if you ever get to a place where you're like kind of questioning things, instead of just like, you know what, I'm going to kind of disappear from church for a few months, which is what you know, the average person could do if they decide that they're like struggling in their faith. Well, a pastor can't do that or you know, a, a leader in some ways in a church can't do that. And so what they end up doing is driving deeper, suppressing that rebellion deeper into their heart, ignoring the, the fact that they're now just playing, you know, going through the motions, but having to continue each and every week to be in a public forum where they're announcing their allegiance to Christ. And so when this whole thing finally blows up and they've spent however many years with really no actual connection to God, it's like, how could, how could this possibly have happened? What didn't you say just last week? And it's like, well, yeah, but just because someone was saying it doesn't mean that that was the true reflection of their heart. And Mm -hmm. When you add any sort of an external pressure, in the case of the older brother, maybe it was to have his inheritance, right? His moral conformity was because he wanted what his dad had. Um, in the case of a, you know, a pastor or whatever, it's like, it's just because it's my job. Whenever you add an external pressure, a reason culturally to continue to behave, even though you don't believe, um, you, that's when you get into like really sticky stuff. And it's so hard to motivate you know, like a new believer, let's say they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not really feeling reading the Bible in the morning. So I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And you have to kind of like, well, just cause you don't feel it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Our actions should lead, not our feelings. And that's really good advice. But eventually if you do that for long enough and you're just doing it without any connection to God or without any belief in his grace or dependence on him, well then you are a Pharisee and you're going to be doing it all wrong. So it's kind of like even good advice breaks down eventually. Yep. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy gray area where when you, you can slip from one side to the other so fast and not even recognize it. I mean, that's, that is the older brother. He, he was doing the right things. And, and maybe even, uh, to, give, to give him grace, maybe even sometimes for the right reasons. You know, right. maybe yeah. sometimes he did love his father and he was just, you know, and obviously this is a parable. So none of that is real. But I think the reflection that we can all sense is it's not even like for seasons of my life, I'm disconnected from God. And then from seasons of life, I'm doing it. I think like minute to minute, mm-hmm. I'm right and wrong on this. Oh, yeah. And I mean, maybe maybe the thing that triggered this older brother to slip into religion was the fact that his younger brother left. Mm-hmm. You know, his younger brother leaves. He, he, he sees the hurt and the pain that this younger brother caused his dad. And so that puts pressure on him to conform even more to like, mm-hmm. I can't do this because... I, I, want, I can't do that to my dad. And so this yeah. pressure, it's like the pastor, right? Our roles, we get paid. I, I got to look the part because if I don't, I can't provide for my family. I don't have a job. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, it, becoming a religious brother is very easy. It is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very easy, slow progression. And it looks 
good. That's the hard part. Is it sin that's obvious, like rebellion, running away? It's easy to call out. Like, this guy's crazy. This guy believes wild things. He's doing what's wrong. What's hard as we walk with God is to do the right things and recognize when our heart is far from God. And, you know, that's something that we always have to keep our guard on as Christians is why am I doing this? And, you know, what are my motives behind this? And we always have to check those things because that will be the guardrails of us slipping into religion versus a relationship with God. And that everything you just described is why your point about religion being dangerous is so, is so important, right? It's because it's actually the more it's, you have, you're more at risk if you're in the religious category, because you, that self-deception is where you can get into the most trouble. It's, it's always a little more obvious if you can just point to somebody and say like, you're wrong and it's clear. You can see the difference between what you should be doing and what you are doing. If, if you can point in your life and say like, no, it basically looks like you're doing everything you should. And you keep getting like big thumbs up from all the people around you that you admire or who pay your paycheck or whatever. You keep getting the thumbs up and not realizing like the only person who doesn't know that the only person who knows the truth is the only person you actually wanted to connect with in the first place. And that's God. Yeah. And um, I actually, I read, um, Lecrae's autobiography last year, um, Lecrae, the Christian rapper. And he talked about how, like he had had a life that was, you know, far from God and had everything from abuse and, uh, drug abuse and a number of other things in his past. Um, to the place where he places his faith in Christ and then immediately begins this like really intensive discipleship. And he talks about how he did like the rapid transformation from being rebellious and doing whatever he wanted against God, then to getting saved and immediately growing so quickly that it became extremely judgmental. And now he talked about like his maturation process of realizing like my heart and my actions, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm saying this and understanding it for the first time, like my heart and my actions over time ought to look more and more and more like Jesus. Like we should have never apologize for, for chasing conformity to what Jesus wants for us with everything we've got. Like that should always be our goal. And when we're 70, 80 years old, we ought to look and act a lot like Jesus by the time we get there. But what should be growing at the same rate is our graciousness for people who don't yet act like Jesus. What sometimes happens is when our conformity grows at a rate that outpaces our graciousness, we begin to believe that it's our conformity that has us in right standing with God while forgetting that like, no, I'm worthless. <laughs> this is all of grace. And as a result of my dependence on God's grace, of course, I'm chasing conformity with all I've got. But since I'm dependent on grace, I've got a lot of grace to give. And so a really gracious, you know, 80 year old Christian ought to look a lot like Jesus and then just be so accepting of anyone, no matter what condition of life they're in a Christian who's lost that man, they read their Bible every day. They've read it through a hundred times, but they're cranky and not accepting and not kind and not gracious. I think that's a good guide to like, to question yourself is what is growing in me? Grace or judgment, or, or mm. critical nature. What mm. I found to be true in ministry, and I don't mean this to be harsh with people, but the longer people follow Jesus, the more judgmental and the more critical they get of everybody, not just lost people, but their pastor, but the worship team and the lights. And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. 
this should be a warning sign. If every place I go, I'm just, I'm finding things wrong. Something, there, there's a common denominator there. And it's mm-hmm. usually me, me mm-hmm. finding fault. And, you know, as we walk with Jesus and as we look like Jesus, that grace should grow. And that grace doesn't mean you're avoiding truth. That would be like the first religious response is like, well, I, grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. I'm just telling the truth. No, you're not. And don't mm-hmm. let your religion try to convince you you are. Right. You know, grace is there first. So like mm-hmm. Jesus's response so many times, he offered grace so he could lead people to the truth. He didn't just beat people over the head with the truth. You know, the only person he actually beat over the head with the truth, guess who they were? They were the religious people. <laughs> to whom he told the very story we're going over, right? Exactly. You know, And by the way, he ends the story with the religious older brother out in the cold without the acceptance of the father. You can see him. He's like... Yeah, exactly. For our for our podcast, I can't believe my dad would do that. If you're if you're looking and watching this podcast, you're getting an amazing pouty face. Oh, a great pout face. Let me tell you. If you're if you're only listening, then you've you've missed out. You got to go see a screen grab of this pout. But um, no. So yeah, I think, man, I I don't even know how to express it all. But I just think we all know when we've been around people who. The, for whatever reason, they seem to have a lot of indications of spirituality, but not a lot of time for people who aren't good at being Christians yet. Mm-hmm. And I just think, um, you know, I'm hesitant to shout out people, everyone, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, Mike and Chris Maloney um, are we went to the Henrietta campus. Um, there are a couple that were, he was the pastor at um, Lima Baptist for many years and has just been like an insanely huge encouragement to me as a pastor. He always calls me his pastor. Um, you know, he's a, he's an older guy and has retired and is part of Northridge. And I just, he's part of starting point and has continued to be, um, is a great community group leader. I've been in, in groups where he's leading and what I just, what I so admire about him is that he's so much like Christ. I mean, my goodness, the guy is extremely godly. I look up to him so much and how he lives his life and parents and as a husband and all those kind of things. But then at the same time is so gracious with people who are not Christians and, um, or people who are new believers and just is so full of love and hope for them and their spiritual condition. And I just think like, that's, what Christian maturity ought to look like is this equal parts conformity and grace. And when you do that, man, nobody hates hearing truth from someone that they feel like has their best interest in mind and loves and cares for one thing I've always told myself. um, And this has always been kind of like a a, a nice reminder for me is the more I walk with Christ, um, when I hang out with lost people, I always want to be able to see myself in them. Hmm. And, and meaning what I, what I mean by that is reminding myself that, man, I'm, I'm a wretched sinner. Like, mm-hmm. and it's only through the grace of God that I've been pulled out of that. And I think a lot of Christians, we become so judgmental of people in the world or people we see because we lost that ability to see the, our rebel heart in theirs. We mm. we've lost the ability to identify with that person who is far from Jesus. And we forget the only reason we're not them is because Christ pulled us out of that and brought us into the light. And so I always, when I see people on the news acting like just 
they go against everything that God believes. I'm like, how, what is wrong with people? I, it, it always comes back to me. I'm like, well, that's who I would be. Mm-hmm. That's who I would be if it wasn't for Christ. I would be right there. And you can name anybody. There's all kinds of things out there. And I'm like, man, that, that would be me if it wasn't Jesus. And I never want to lose that because it reminds me of the power of the gospel in my life. Absolutely. And it keeps me from that judgmental spirit. It actually breaks my heart to want to do something to help those people see the truth. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the key, right? That's the difference is if, if I can see my own sin and I, it grieves me and I see in you sin that I know grieves God, then in seeing sin in both of us, I recognize like, man, our only solution here is grace. I need grace. I've gotten a ton of it in my life. And I, I still need more of it, but I've gotten a ton of it. And if you see someone who's received no grace, meaning, you know, they don't have a relationship with God, you're just like, I, they need this so badly. Like I have nothing but a desire to see them come to know Christ. And the more you, the more you are in conformity, like if we're saying that's like one of the, you know, the more you look like Jesus, meaning in your behavior, because you're racking up, you know, like obedience points, it's easy to start to rely on that as an indicator of your rightness with God. Like I have all these Jesus points I've racked up over a course of however many years of following him. And so that's probably at this point, like it started with grace, but at this point it's probably mostly relying on the track record that I've got. But I love what Paul says to the Galatians. He's like, having begun in the spirit, are you completing it in the flesh? Like, no way. This is all of grace from beginning to end. It's a faith from beginning to end. And the more we get into the conformity game, we have to realize that our righteousness is still filthy rags. Like a lifetime of obedience to Jesus would still not be enough. And God would see all of that as filthy rags. The only thing that gives us an acceptance with God is Jesus. (laughs) And so, yeah, of course we live a life of obedience to please God, but it's because of what he did, not in order to be like, yeah, at some point I got enough equity with God that like I can start, as you said, I can start vending machining him. Yep. Yeah. That's preach it, bro. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're probably out of time and uh, we got a good little rant there. So it's probably a good time to wrap it down. What are we looking for forward to this week and this weekend? Uh, This week we got uh, Tuesday at 8 PM. I mentioned this at our service, got a night of prayer. Again, I'm going to challenge you to come out. Well, don't come out, but like log on and pray with us. Huge uh, time in our uh, city and in our world. And so let's just be a church that's committed to prayer. I think it's really important. So don't miss it. Um, also this weekend, uh, we're going to bring this series, a tale of two brothers, Aaron, a tale of two brothers. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. <laughs> bring it uh, to an end. And I think you're going to see something. We're going to bring a side of this story out that maybe you've never thought before. Um, mm. And so, yeah, we're going to close it out strong. We're going to, yeah, that's all I'm going to give you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you any more. So Sure, I'll agree. I'll say amen and say that uh, I also it was it was new to me. So there we go. Uh, another teaser for it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this Sunday, uh, eight, nine thirty, and eleven at both of our campuses and online. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys Tuesday night as well. And of course, whenever the Cowboys play, Drew's looking forward to that as well. When when's their next game? And who are they playing? Thirty at Seattle. Jason DeGraff, if you're listening, Seattle's going down, bro. 
<laughs> they just beat the Patriots. So uh, ironically had a goal line stop to, uh, to win the game, which sounds like an old Super Bowl moment. But anyway, we're back on football. I don't know how this happened. This is not a football podcast. I don't even know anything about football. <laughs> we're wrapping this down. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time.